It's not enough to say, hey, we believe that we can have a better year this year than last year without asking the question, how was last year? And the reason this, this question is important is because for some of us, 2019 was incredible. And I'm hoping that's true. I hope that's true for you. But that's a high bar. For some of us, the bar's pretty low. On New Year's Eve, someone posted this on Facebook, which I think sums up the way a lot of us felt about last year. It was a meme, and it said this. I got it on the screen. 2019 basically said, but did you die, though? I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, last year may not have been that good to you. You may have even said, I'm so excited to have last year over with. Maybe for a lot of us, last year had some really good things, and last year had some really challenging things. However you would answer the question, how was last year, we believe the simple truth that better is possible. Better is possible. And I just want to put my cards on the table and tell you what I believe about this and what our church believes about this and what we believe about God and what we believe God thinks about you. We believe your heavenly Father wants this for you. We believe that God wants this year to be better than last year. And here's why we believe that. For me personally, I'm an imperfect earthly father, but I want this for my kids with all my heart. And so if I, as an imperfect earthly father, want this for my kids, how much more will a perfect heavenly father want and give good gifts to his kids because he loves us? Your heavenly father wants your life and my life to work. And not surprisingly, Jesus comes to earth and he says, hey, let me tell you one of the reasons why I came here. He said this, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Amber mentioned that during our communion time. That's in John 10.10. Another translation says, I want you to have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, hey, I've come so that you may have life, understand how life works, and have it abundantly. And I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says about this when it comes to following Jesus. He says that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. So what we believe for you today is that Jesus is the smartest person who ever lived. And when we accept his invitation to follow him, in every area of our life, he makes life better. And he makes us better at life. And that's really the premise of this series. So as we begin, I'm going to let you know that I have a responsibility today, and you have a responsibility today. My responsibility is to give you a principle that I believe that you can implement in your life that will help make this year better than last year. And your responsibility is to look at an area where you would say, you know what, I think I need to gain some momentum in this particular area of my life. Because as I look at my life in the past year, I may have lost some momentum in that area in some way. So to help you fulfill your part of the deal, let me put on the screen five areas of our lives. And these aren't all the areas of our lives, okay? but these are five significant areas of our life. And as I put these on the screen, I want you to pick just one. Now, I know the overachievers are going to want to pick all five, okay? I respect that. I appreciate that. But the challenge here is to just pick one, okay? So here are the five that we're going to choose from. And if you want to make this year better than the last, 
there's probably one of these five that you would say, you know what, I need to gain some new momentum in this, this year. And it might be financial health. You may look at last year and go, you know what, my spending way outpaced my savings. And that's not a, a great trajectory. I want to change that. Maybe there, there may be a relationship in your life that you really need to improve this year. Maybe it's physically. Maybe we do need to eat broccoli. I hate to say that. But maybe it's more exercise or working out more. Maybe it's vocationally. Whether you're a professional or if you're a student, maybe we need to get better at receiving feedback at work. Maybe we need to do a better job of stepping up our studies at school. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe we just need to put into practice the things that Jesus taught about so that our life can look more like his. But as you look at this list, here's a question I'd like to ask you. Is there an area here where you would say, John, I've lost some momentum? And the other question is, how can we change that? By the way, if you look at this list and say, John, I think there's not a single area in which I'm losing momentum, I would just like to encourage you to share that with the people in your life and see how they would react to that. Because they may have a little different response to that, okay? So if you were to say, okay, John, there's a financial thing, there's a relational thing, there's a spiritual thing, I've got a particular area, then here's what I want to do. I want to introduce you to a principle that I think can help you. So we're going to do three things in our remaining time together. The first thing is, I'm going to share with you this principle, which is a great principle to implement right away and throughout the year. And the second thing we're going to look at is a problem. And the problem is that there's this obstacle that often prevents us from applying this to our lives. And then the third thing, the most exciting news of all, is we're going to look at how God can remove that obstacle from our lives so that we can apply this principle. And if there's an area where we lost momentum, I believe that we can apply this principle throughout the year. And when we do that, we'll begin to discover that it's true. You'll say, I was able, with God's help, to make this year better than the last. So I want to introduce you to this powerful principle, and it's simply what I call the consistency effect. The consistency effect. And the consistency effect simply says this. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. Now, the bad news is this is true from a negative standpoint. Small negative things consistently over time lead to big negative things. None of us are going to walk out the door tomorrow and say, you know what, today I'm ready to ruin my life. But what happens is negative deposits made over time causes the whole thing to blow up. And that's the bad news. The good news is the opposite is true. Small positive things consistently done over time lead to really Big things. Now, when it comes to the new year, the principle of commitment is typically forgotten somewhere along the way. But commitment's important. And here's what commitment does for us. Commitment gets you to the starting line, right? I want to commit to that spending plan. I want to commit to that workout plan. I want to commit to coming to church more often. And commitment will get us to the starting line. But consistency... Consistency will get you to the finish line. Commitment will get you to January, and that's awesome. We, need a, we always need a place to start. But 
Consistency will get you to July and then October and then eventually December. Here's an illustration of what consistency looks like. And these are two jars. One is full of marbles and one isn't. And this jar right, right here represents the new year. It's all the days of the new year ahead of us, okay? And so the consistency effect would say, if you want to change your life and help this year become better than last year, what you've got to do is you've got to find that one area that you need a little bit more momentum in. That one area that you might say, you know what, out of the five, this is the one thing that I'm focusing on. And you take it and you do it over here. Or maybe it's the, yes, I'm going to eat more broccoli. Or maybe it's the, hey, I'm going to work out. And what happens is we tend to think that we're not making much change because, you know, it's just one marble. Um, so what we do in working out is a great example of this. If we haven't worked out in a while, what we try to do is we go to the gym and we try to take it and we dump the whole thing into the empty jar. And, uh, and, and we do that because we're trying to make up for lost time. But there are two big problems with that when we wake up the next day. First, there's not a, a noticeable change. You know, we don't go from flabby to fit overnight. So we might get a little discouraged. And the second is we're so sore that we can't get out of bed. And so intuitively, we know that doesn't work. What does work is just consistent deposits over time. And when we do this, we don't think we're gaining any traction. But consistency, the consistency effect says, hey, small things consistently over time lead to really big things. And so let me tell you what your goal is. Let me tell you what our goal is. If you want to have a better year this year than last year, what you've got to do is make sure that you have more marbles over here than you did at the beginning of the year. And you want to have, and, you, and this begins by starting in the first quarter, and then the second quarter, and then the third quarter, all the way till the end of the year. And the more marbles of consistency over here, the greater traction and momentum that you're going to get. And the greater traction that you get in the particular area, the better this year will be than last. But your challenge is to be consistent day in and day out. Now, that kind of makes sense, right? That's not too hard to understand. We know the more we do this, the more it's going to build, and we're going to see some momentum in our lives. But there's a problem. There's an obstacle that we're facing. And the reason that there weren't a lot of marbles on this side of the jar in the previous year is because there is something that's going on in this particular area of our lives. And let me explain the obstacle. When you saw that list and you said, okay, I know which one of those five that I need to focus on, when you've identified an area of improvement, what you're essentially saying is, I'm not as strong as I need to be in that particular area of my life. And, but what you've done, maybe unknowingly, is you also identify an area of weakness or areas that you're not as strong in. And so if all we do is say, I'm going to commit to this change, at some point, your strength runs out. We may start January strong, but our strength runs out, and we stop. And that's reality. Reality is not possessing a never-ending source of power. Dallas Willard said, reality is what you bump into when you're wrong. And so at some point, our strength runs out, and we stop. We all have weaknesses. 
We all have areas in our life that are not as strong as we'd like. And another problem is we have a tendency to compensate for or hide our weakness. So if it's a financial issue and our spending outpaces our saving, typically we compensate by overspending, which digs a deeper hole. Or we try to hide our weaknesses and pretend that they're not there. So if you want to practice greater consistency, the question we got to ask is, is there an area where you need greater consistency? So if so, is it possibly a weakness? And here's the good news. God wants to help you with that. God wants to help you with that. And that's the incredible news that we're going to see today. That if you want more consistency in your life, God wants to give you the strength so that you can continue to do this. So what we're going to do today is we're going to understand that with your strength, when your strength runs out, how to access the strength of God that never runs out. And when you access the strength of God, you're able to gain greater consistency day in and day out. And so that when you get to the end of the year, you're going to have a jar full of marbles. And here's some more good news. Did you know that the people in the Bible are more messed up than you and me? It's true. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul is a biblical legend. He wrote over half the New Testament. And we could honestly say that the reason that we're here on the other side of the planet, talking about God, singing songs about God, is because this guy Paul and what God did in his life. And yet, remarkably, when you see Paul's life, here's how he describes himself. He says, I am the chief of all sinners. Meaning that if you wanted to rank all the sinners in the world, Paul says, start with me. I'm number one. And honestly, with all due respect to Paul, he had a pretty good case. And so he comes to this situation in his life where he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he starts talking about this issue of weakness in his life. And as he does, he begins to show us how even the Apostle Paul, the superhero, the legend, had a weakness in his life. But what he began to discover is that God gave him strength in the middle of his weaknesses. And he tapped into God's strength day in and day out to literally change the world. And this is what he writes in this letter to the church at Corinth. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He's saying, hey, just so you know, there's a weakness in my life. This particular weakness, and we're not exactly sure what he was talking about, but um, Paul was talking about what he described as a thorn in his flesh. And this word thorn in the New Testament language is the same word that's used to describe a tent stake. Paul was a tent maker, and he says, basically, there's a tent stake in me, and I want to get it out. And so he begins to have a conversation with God. And as he does, he begins to understand this amazing truth that when I am weak, I can also be strong. What does that mean? He's discovered how to access the strength of God, even in his weakness. And if we can figure this out, this is an amazing gift, not only from the Apostle Paul, but from our Heavenly Father. And so Paul's saying, I have great news for you. When you're weak, you can also be strong. Because when we tap into God, he'll help us become more consistent day in and day out. 
And how do we know that's true? Because following Jesus will make your life better. And he'll make you better at life. So what Paul's writing, the, so Paul's writing this letter to the church of Corinth, and he writes these two foundational verses. And I'm basically just going to pull out a three-step pathway to the new year ahead of you. And I believe if we follow this three-step path, then it'll allow us to be more consistent so that we can make this year better than last year, okay? So, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says this, But he said to me, and Paul's putting us Uh, letting us in on a conversation that he's having with the Lord. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what I want to do in this verse, in the next one, is to pull out this three-step process. And the first step is actually right there. I want to highlight this verse right here that says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. What Paul is saying is, hey, hey, don't feel like you have to hide your weaknesses. Share them. And so the first step is simply boast. Admit your weaknesses. And here's what's so remarkable about this. Paul is saying, hey, I'm not going to hide my weakness. I'm going to boast about them. And here's what he discovered as it related to um, weakness. Paul shows us that our weaknesses are opportunities to get closer to God. Our weaknesses are opportunities to get closer to God. And for many of us, we try to hide our weaknesses. And when we do that, we shut off our ability to access the strength of God. What Paul is saying is, no, 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 no. I'm going to boast all the more gladly, and I'm going to bring them before the Lord and say, I'm struggling here. Just doing that, just admitting your weakness, is a huge first step. But then the second step, he also says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. Not in the great things that are going on in our lives, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What Paul is teaching us here is to ask for God's grace, to ask for God's help. And you say, God, here's my weakness, but I need to apply more consistency, except at some point, your strength's going to run out. And so, can you give me your grace and your strength? Can you help me? Now, because I'm a pastor and because I've been in ministry for a really long time, there's a few phrases that I hear occasionally, and I want to share one of them with you, which I think can be a dangerous phrase. It's this phrase, I know as a Christian, I shouldn't be struggling with this, but I feel that when I struggle, that somehow that's offensive to God. And actually, that's an opportunity for us to stand before God and admit our struggles. By the way, he already knows. This is not going to be new information for him. But when we stand before him and say, hey, I know you know, but I want you to know that I know that I know, I think, then I'm bringing it before you, God. Will you help me? And here's why this is important. 
If we get too used to sermons, if we get too used to worship lyrics, if we get too used to the story of Jesus, we can sometimes kind of feel like we're independent, like we don't really need God. Yeah, we want to grow. Yeah, we want to mature. But here's the problem. We'll never believe that God's grace is sufficient until we believe that we are insufficient. And that's what Paul is saying. You know what I've realized? I'm insufficient. I can't do this all on my own. Even the church planting hero guy is insufficient. And so I want to boast about my weaknesses. And I want to ask for help. And here's what I discovered about people who do that. It's counterintuitive. It takes a strong person to admit they're weak. It takes a strong person to go, you know what? I have issues. I need help. God, would you help me? And so the first is admit your weakness. The second is to ask for help. And then he goes on to the next verse in verse 10. And he says this. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. It's a big list. And these five here are so interesting because in some way, this kind of describes our daily lives, right? Sometimes there's weakness in a day. Sometimes there's hardships in a day. Sometimes there is a persecution. We feel trapped in something. And then there's just regular calamities in the day. And what Paul is saying is, hey, this isn't a once in a while kind of a deal. If you're going to tap into God's strength, what you're going to have to do, if you want to gain some traction, you have to do this. It's not only admitting your weaknesses. It's not only asking for help. It's receiving God's strength daily. And if you'll do this this year, what we're going to discover is that God's strength will strengthen you in ways that maybe didn't happen last year. And here's why this is important. When God's strength and His power consistently meet our weaknesses, we grow. We grow. And by the way, our purpose as a church is to help lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that happens is to admit what's really happening. Ask for help and receive God's strength on a daily basis. And for some of you, here's what I want you to hear. What God wants to tell you is this as it relates to your weakness or your struggles in life. God is not disappointed in you. God wants to help you. God is not disappointed in you. God wants to help you. My dad, when I was a young kid, when he would discipline me, and I know it comes as a surprise. John, you had to be disciplined as a kid? Yes. It was seldom. But when my dad would discipline me, he'd say, son, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm just disappointed that you forgot who you are. You're a carol. We don't treat people that way. We don't do those kinds of things. I'm calling you to a higher standard. And that's what God is doing. That's that's what your heavenly father is doing. He's not disappointed in you. God wants to help you in the new year. And how does that work? Well, here's how this works. You access the strength and power of God, just like the apostle Paul did. And here's how he did it. He talked about boasting of weaknesses, to admit your weakness. 
to ask for help, to ask for the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And then on a daily basis, because life is going to throw things at you on a daily basis. And if you'll do this, God's strength will give you the power to move forward when your strength runs out. Because small things, consistently done over time, lead the big things. And as you do, God is going to write a beautiful story, a testimony of what his power and strength did in your life this year. And that's an extraordinary opportunity. And that's why we believe it's possible to have a better year this year than last. Because the strength and the power of God in that weakness, if you'll admit it, if you'll ask for help, and if you receive the strength of God daily over time, you're going to see an amazing story unfold. Now, I want to close by giving you two really practical things to do. The first step I want to tell you to do is just don't do it alone. Don't try to do this life alone. Surround yourself with some people that are going to encourage you. Because one of the ways that God strengthens us is through other people. Particularly a small group of people who meet consistently over time who will strengthen you, hold you accountable, give you belonging and care and love. And when your strength runs out and you go to your small group and say, I just don't think I can do this anymore. They're going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to remember that God loves you. You need to remember that God is with you. And don't forget that we are with you too. And when that happens, when you have a group of people that are strengthening you, God strengthens you through them. And there's not a better time of year to get into a small group than right now if you're not already in one. In fact, if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you to find me, find Amber, find Eric, and simply ask us a question. And that question is, hey, how do I get into a small group this year? Now, you're not signing up for anything right away. Okay, there's no meeting tomorrow night, right? That's not where we're going. That's not where we're going. But you're just asking the question, hey, how do I get into a small group? And I want to challenge you. In fact, I want to triple dog dare you that if you're not in a small group, then then get into one because it's not enough to go, you know what, I'm going to tap into God's power, that's awesome, and then you try to do it by yourself. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to allow you to be strengthened through them so that you can have more marbles this year. And we'll close with this. I want to give you a prayer. And my hope is that this prayer would be a prayer that we pray consistently as a collection of Jesus' followers. And it simply says this. This is our prayer for this year. Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for today. This is basically 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. Lord, I need you. Admit your weakness. Please give me, ask for help, your strength for today. And so here's how this works. Tomorrow, I want you to pray this prayer. On your way out today, we're going to give you this prayer on a little card. And you can tape this card up to your bathroom mirror. Maybe tape it up to the dashboard on your car. Maybe put it on your bedside table, so when you wake up in the morning, you'll see it. But tomorrow, I want you to get up and pray this prayer. 
Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for today. Here, uh, you know, and then the next day, Lord, here's this area. Here's this area of weakness that I have. Please give me your strength for today. Lord, I got to get better financially. You know, I've got to get better in this relationship. I got to get better in my physical health. God, please help me. I need your strength for today. Lord, I need you. Please give me your strength for today. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. And your goal is to fill up the remainder of this year with these prayers. But as you do, what you'll fill up this jar with is the power and the strength of a God who loves you so much. And as you do, through his power, he will show you what he can do in your life. And you'll experience how he can help make this year better than last. Let's pray. Oh God, my simple prayer this morning is that as a collection of your followers, our hearts would call out to you and acknowledge the areas that we need to grow and that we would invite you to help us experience abundant life, life to the full in you. You created us to house the fullness of Christ. So so as we enter into 2020, may we make the consistent deposits that make this year better than the last. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite our ushers forward who are helping with our morning offering. One of the most popular resolutions, one of the most popular commitments that people make this time of year is, you know, I want to get my finances together. A lot of, the, a lot of times we hear that uh, the reason why people can't give to the church is because they're just financially stuck. So we have a couple really great opportunities coming up over the next several weeks to help you get your budget in line, to experience financial freedom, financial peace. Part of our worship is to give a portion back to God what God has already given to us. And if you've never given in your life, if if this might be something new to you, um, and, and you say, I don't know what I have to give, at least give something. And test God. God says that. God says, test me in this. This is the God who multiplies fishes and loaves. This is a God who works miracles all the time. And and our vision, our purpose, our mission as a church is to bless people who are a part of this congregation, a part of different congregations in El Dorado, who are not part of any congregation at all, have no relationship with God. The money that we have here goes to help bring people into God's expansive kingdom, His never-ending kingdom. And so as you give today, know that you're giving to a vision and a mission that you may not fully experience until you get onto the other side of eternity, but it's worth it. And so let's pray, and we'll continue with our morning. Oh God. You do not call us to a life of fear, but you 
uh, call us to uh, a life of courage and uh, a, a life that houses your fullness. And so as we uh, participate in this act of worship, of giving a portion of our financial resources back to you, God, I just pray that you um, help us do that with you in mind, to know that there are people out there that are hurting that need you, uh, to know that you have called us to uh, something great and that uh, without these resources, we won't be able to achieve that. And so, God, I thank you so much for the lives in this room and uh, our willingness to give back. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.